0: Assalamu alaykum sisters and welcome to Real Muslimah Talk. I'm your host Umm Abdul Rahman and on this podcast we'll pull back the curtains, take down the barriers and have raw, insightful and honest conversations on living as a Muslimah in our modern society. If you enjoy the podcast, head over to our Instagram page at Real Muslimah Talk and join the conversation. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh sister Umm Jamaluddin, how are you doing? Alhamdulillah, Allah. How are you? Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. I'm, I'm so excited for uh, today's episode, inshallah, because you have literally gone from being a revert to now a teacher who uh, teaches Sharia and, you know, a da'iyya, and it's just so inspirational. So I can't wait to hear your story and to, you know, for you to share the story, your story with other sisters as well. And we can take inspiration from that, inshallah. Before that, I want to ask you, how is, um, how are you doing? How's lockdown going? Because I know you've been in lockdown for quite some time now in Sydney, right? Yeah, alhamdulillah. Bismillah wa alhamdulillah. Wa
1: salatu wa ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Um, just want to say jazakallahu khairan for inviting me along. And yes, alhamdulillah the last time we saw each other was in Medina, MashaAllah. alhamdulillah. Yes, alhamdulillah we got to meet in person. Um, alhamdulillah wallahi you know I think anybody who alhamdulillah has, you know, a lot of goals in life um whether you're lo- whether you're in lockdown or you're not in lockdown it does, you know, Alhamdulillah, you don't have, it doesn't impact you as much as maybe other people who don't have, you know, certain things they're working towards. And also I must also say that it does make a big difference, the stage of life I'm in now. You know, I have to give credit to all my dear sisters out there who, you know, are struggling with small children at home. That's a very, very different um, struggle than like to be going through lockdown and and not have to have all those, you know, dealing with my you know, dealing with children are smaller and worrying about their, their, you know, their schooling and stuff like that, um, I've kind of moved beyond that stage now. So, Alhamdulillah, I'm able to just focus on my own, you know, moving towards my own goals and stuff like that. So, it makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah, Alhamdulillah.
0: So, uh, for the sisters who don't know, you have uh, five children, is it? Yeah, Alhamdulillah. Yeah. And they're all, uh, they're all grown up now, so they're all like, uh, past their teenagers, or do no, you have I've got any...
1: my, young, my youngest is um 15 alhamdulillah and i've got a daughter yeah. who is she's turned 19 now but the other three are um they're you know yeah they're um you yeah. know they're in their
0: 20s <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Inshallah. so they can all like pretty much take care of themselves and yeah so you're uh fortunate to be at this stage alhamdulillah you know with all that's going on with the pandemic and everything exactly um, yeah. yeah so um tell us your your journey from like how you how you became a muslim and then uh, how you started basically practicing h- how you personally developed that muslim identity for yourself like inshallah. look um i know it's a, very, say, it's a very it's a very broad yeah,
1: I'll, I'll try to just cuz there's a lot to <laughs> a lot to talk about cuz look it's been a long journey and um i think you need People need to be realistic and realise that you don't start off like most people, the vast majority of people, don't revert to Islam and suddenly put the naqab on. Okay, mm. so please, everybody, be reasonable and be realistic. Okay, um, even to expect that from someone, it's no. Um, so how I started off, um, you've got to understand the, the, the way life was back then. We're talking about um, 30 years ago. Um, No internet, very hard to get any access to, um, you know, reliable sources of knowledge or even reliable sources to, you know, ask them questions um, to sort of guide you and know what's right and what's wrong. Uh, So, um, look, I, I, I took my Shahada, Alhamdulillah, I eventually found some practicing Muslims to help me, you know, know a little bit about Islam uh, I think the main thing that got me on track was was beginning to pray my prayers five times a day. I know that once I established my five prayers um, consistently, you know, in their times, that was a really big life changer. You know, because that really um, just set me on track. I, I could, I felt like I know where I'm heading now, and um, these, you know, these prayers are keeping me focused. They're keeping me on track. So that was a really big, um, that was a really big uh, life changer how uh, sorry
0: to interrupt how old were you when you took your shahada so i was 18 i took my shahada
1: wow yeah and then um i i remember setting a goal someone had told me because back then no one told you about like i mean they were just scared of you know because you're a new revert they want to tell you they don't want to you know be too hard on you so they just said it'll be nice if you prayed five times a day and you know (laughs) do things like this so i did put a goal for myself that when i turned 19 um, you know my 19th birth date you know is gonna be the day that I start praying my five prayers you know in their times because awesome. lot of them, a lot of the Muslims I knew they used to just like go to work and then they'd come home and pray their prayers when they when they got home like they wouldn't they wouldn't pray the whole prayer for example at work they just mm-hmm. you know pray them all um, when they got home from work. Um, that I didn't realize that you know they didn't tell you the real you know the importance of praying your prayers on time. You know, yeah. um, anyway, that's what happened. So,
0: once so I was when 19, you started uh, praying your five prayers, was it uh, in Arabic or in English or how did it work?
1: So, subhanAllah, uh, to be honest, interestingly, before I even took my shahada, uh, this is going back even years before that, um, I had a friend at school who had given me a prayer book and i used to i tried to um, i just got this prayer book. i didn't know how to put it together i didn't know how to put the words and the you know actions together but i used to uh, i remember i used to say i think it was i was saying surah um, fatiha and i used to like just put my hand under my my head and lie on my right side and um, just you know say i think surah fatiha and that was kind of my prayer Um, (laughs) any revert out there will know you do a lot of funny things as a revert like you because you're really blind you don't know what you're doing so you kind of like doodle things that you kind of make it up for yourself what you think is right because especially when you haven't got no one to tell you anything um so i did stuff like that but um i i think like i didn't i never i don't remember ever praying in english i never prayed in english but i i think i may have had like a prayer mat um or I, I had, I knew some words. Like I'm, I must have known some words. Like, like I look. Another thing you have to understand as well. I did have some Lebanese friends. Um, so, for, like, I had been trying to learn a little bit of Arabic even back then. So, okay. I, yeah. So, I, but I just, I just know that I never prayed in English. I'm sure I never prayed in English. But I may have prayed a very basic prayer, you know, with um, just the basic words or something like that. I actually can't remember, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you think? Um, was it the friends around you that influenced you uh, and inspired you to you know take your shahada or what was it i <laughs> no, subhanallah like
1: okay so um just to make you understand i lived in a in an all let's say like i'm in, i'm in australia right so i lived in an a- area where you would never see a muslim absolutely no way I, in fact i'd never seen a muslim in my whole life um i had one lebanese family come and move to our area they were not practicing okay mm-hmm. but because they were lebanese they look different i just um was because i used to like different cultures so i basically just um wanted to know them because they're a different culture rather than an anglo-saxon basically right yeah. um because i had a few italian friends i had a south african friend like i used to love you know mixing with different cultures i just felt it was very boring staying with you know
0: the same old <laughs> that's, that's <all> like <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> anyway so that's what happened so i just was just curious to know about them and then i heard that they were Muslim. I'm like, what's a Muslim? That's really interesting because my, look, okay, just to understand something, my father's actually a lay preacher and um, in the Christian church and so is my grandfather as well. So I was brought up like, you know, practising Christian uh, and I've always, and I was just for some reason very interested in different religions, okay? It's just always been a very big interest of mine. So when I heard they were Muslim, I went to, oh, what's Muslim? You know, what's that? You know, and I, I just wanted to know more about it. Um, so it wasn't like I was inspired by them or in fact, to be honest, um, like, to be honest, I was quite sort of like a lot of things they would say to me, I was like, they, they, they didn't, they, they, didn't, um, they really did not know about the religion. Okay. So they didn't give me a very good presentation of it at all. And because of that, it made me more curious to know what is this religion? It's, it sounds really strange. Okay. <laughs> that's yeah. how that's how I got interested
0: and but it wasn't true. You that you you were interested in religions when your father was a preacher so cuz usually like if uh you know if the parent is a preacher of a particular religion i the children will be like more set on that religion isn't it not necessarily my my
1: sister's not um practicing christian at all and my my brother i've only got three there's only three kids in our family uh, my brother um his wife a little bit into christianity so he's sort of gone a little bit that way but no especially not these days not not in these secular countries uh Mm -hmm. if you look at the next generations they're really moving away from their religion like in you know in in australia i think in uk same thing like the second generations are not holding on to christianity
0: Mm, so um
1: no and with me i look i knew i believed in god like i definitely believed in god that was unquestionable but like, I just think, I mean, I've always been a very curious person. I'm, I've always been very, very curious. And I just, as I said, I enjoyed cultures. Uh, I, I found religion fascinating. Even before I, like, started looking into Islam, I was, look, there was, um, for example, a girl when I was at school back in year six, she was Jehovah's Witness. And I met her and she was telling me about how she can't celebrate um, the Easter Hat Parade. And I was already asking her about it. And I, and I sent her away and asked and I wanted to, and I did a project on Jehovah's Witnesses so, like, I was just always naturally interested in, um, you know, in different religions,
0: right? Yeah. Which
1: Alhamdulillah did help me to um, Alhamdulillah find Islam and, you know,
0: to seek it out. Yeah, mashallah. So hmm. I think uh, you know, Allah set you up for this uh, for this journey because it no, was a absolutely. natural. Yeah, absolutely. it was a natural
1: inclination that you had. Yeah. If you if you look at my house, if you, like Subhanallah, I go back and I look where I where I'm living. And the area I live in, and honestly, wallahi, it you you realize that it's only from Allah that I could make it to Islam. Um, like it's the most un-Islamic area. Like you know, even until now, the area my my my, my parents live in, there's really no visible Muslims in those areas. Um, it's just so dunyawi, you know, like yeah, you, you know, frozen. and to think that you came from this type of household, alhamdulillah, wallahi, it's all from Allah subhanahu ta'ala, you know. Mm.
0: Wow. do you feel like uh as a revert you now uh value your islam more because i know that this is like what we feel you know when we hear um the story of how people choose islam because for us born muslims it's like we were you know already muslims and then you kind of take that for granted in a way but i'm, I'm curious to know does i mean obviously all reverts are different but Does reverting make you appreciate your and hold on long term, you know, on onto your religion and take it more seriously? I think so.
1: I I do think so. Like I I can tell because I know from my own children, like they had to go through their own. They had to refine their own Islam when they got to their teenage years. Because they're brought up as born Muslims, and I brought them up to yeah. be very practicing. Alhamdulillah, but they still need to they need still need to, to rediscover their religion for themselves, you know. Whereas for me, like I had my background and I knew where I'd come from, and I knew, like, how unfulfilled I was before Islam. You know what I mean? So, and I can compare to my non-Muslim family, and I can see the outcomes for them. And there's just so much, um, and I and I still live in obviously a non-Muslim country as well, and I can see. <laughs> you know um what that lifestyle offers so um you know so the, yeah absolutely absolutely you know you 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 really are very grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um the sweetness of your man that Allah puts in your heart alhamdulillah you know it's um wallahi it's a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we we ask Allah ta'ala to keep us steadfast until until our last mm. breath
0: i mean i mean yeah i feel like um you know as you said because you've tasted the other side of it and you know how unfulfilling that is whereas sometimes like as born muslims you know you have all these um your parents bring you up a certain way right and it's mixed with you know culture and everything else so there's a lot of like restrictions sometimes where there doesn't need to be but there are but um you know like for example just an example you know making marriage so difficult uh for you know just based on their age or the culture of the the person that they're interested in you know all these kind of things that uh sometimes you know parents and families impose on young uh young people nowadays and i feel like you know for them they feel they maybe assume that okay if i wasn't you know from this faith or if i wasn't uh, living this lifestyle you know i would have so much more freedom and um Because they haven't tasted it, it's obviously, you know, the grass always looks green on the other side. So it's like they want to go and explore it. They want to go and, you know, try it out for themselves. So I'm guessing, you know, a lot of youth nowadays, they have to, in a way, choose Islam as well for themselves. Uh, So technically, it's like they're not converting from another religion, but they are choosing it, you know, as a way forward for themselves in their life. You need, you need to come to Islam
1: by conviction. It's not enough anymore to just follow in the footsteps of your parents. It's, we're, we're living in a different time now. There's too many intellectual challenges against Islam for a child just to uh, grow up and just, you know, um, unless they're maybe living in, in, a, in an all-Muslim country, it's possible they'll still do that. But, you know, when they're being exposed, especially in a Western country, um, it's very important for them to, you know, they need to get to a certain point, which will happen naturally because they'll get to a certain point when they're about 16 or 18 or maybe a bit before that, and they'll have those questions and that's when they, they're they searching and they need to, like, really, like, rediscover their religion and, you know, as I said, come to it by conviction that they, that, you know, by knowledge and by conviction that this is what they, they really want for themselves and not just that their parents, you know, have passed this religion down to them.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So um, going back to you were saying how when you first started and then you started uh, just focusing on the five prayers and, um, you know, for for, especially for young people nowadays who are really, you know, far away from Islam and maybe they uh, find it a little bit overwhelming. This is how they, I guess, have to start as well, isn't it?
1: I always tell every revert or anyone, you know, coming back into Islam, if you really want to, you know, experience a situation where you feel like your life is in order and that you really feel you know where you're going in life and you feel anchored, you need to have your five prayers in order, right? Until that happens, you will, you will not feel like you will not feel at peace, you know, because it's like your your life, there's something not right, there's something out of place, so that's why it is very important to, you know, um, to get those prayers, you know, inshallah, in order. and Because that is your foundation, like your foundation. Like the prayers are al right? They are the foundations of the deen. So it's like a house, you know. Um, if you don't have the strong foundation for the house, what happens when you build the house on top of it? That That house you're building is your Islam, right? So if that foundation is not strong and firm, then the house itself will be rocky. A a bit of wind comes, it blows away.
0: Do you understand? And as
1: Muslims, we're going to go through trials no matter what. You're going to be tested in your deen. You're going to be tested in your iman. So if you're not built on a strong foundation, then, you know.
0: Yeah. Since we're on the topic of salah, just quickly, um, what if people find it, I mean, a lot of people actually do find it very, like, burdensome. You know, it's it's five times. I heard once uh, a sister mentioning, you know, because sometimes when it's, um, I think when it's winter, then their prayers are very close together, the times. So they, they're like, oh, it's like all we just do all day is pray. Like, you know, instead of looking at it as something that is an honor and, um, you know, it's something that is beautiful that you're spending, you feel like you're spending your day your day in prayer, but I don't know, I feel like a lot of youth nowadays, and not just youth, maybe even older people as well, um, they feel like it's it's too much, it's too burdensome.
1: Like, so that, that if they th- they feel it's burdensome, it means they don't understand what prayer is. Because prayer is not for Allah, prayer is for you. And you're the one who benefits through your prayer, right? And in fact, um, you know, subhanAllah, like, it's amazing that Allah Ta'ala made something fod on us, right, that we ourselves are the one who needs it, right? So if you understand it's an actual need rather than a burden, and what does, it, what does Salah do for you? Like I can say that if somebody, somebody's um, feeling it's a burden, they don't understand what is the prayer to start off with. You know, they don't understand what is the point of the prayer, that it's a connection between you and Allah Ta'ala. It's your time to step into that space where, you know, you connect with allah ta'ala you, you know you leave your burdens behind in this dunya right and you connect to allah azza and you know this is this is your time to just you know step into that like people today are suffering from all kinds of like stresses and anxieties and all this you know and subhanallah you know you know why because they don't have they don't have um they don't have inner peace they don't have inner peace and like what do you think they're teaching mindfulness these days because it because people don't know how to slow down and, you know, just be able to step out of their busy life and just step into a, a state of peace. And, and Allah Ta'ala has given that to us through the Salah, but we don't realise. Mm, you know, we're not fully utilising our Salah. That's the problem. We're not fully utilising our Salah to start off with, that you're supposed to leave the world behind you, step into this space where you you realize what is you know what is the purpose of this world like it's all you know your main purpose is to focus on akhirah that is your main purpose so everything else that's happening in your life when you look at it in the bigger picture it all becomes small to you that okay yeah i'm going through struggles but you know what how lo- how long is this life really going to go for it's it's very temporary and ultimately my 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 main goal needs to be you know striving for akhirah that's that's the true that's the true home, right? This is not our true home. So if we understand that, that's what Salah is doing. Salah is refocusing you, making you realise that this world is not your home. This is not your true home. Your world is the al That's what you're, you're supposed to be focusing yourself towards. And that's what Salah does. It reminds you, like, I can tell you the difference what Salah did for me. Like, I used to go to work every day and I'd go to uni in the afternoon. And um, I felt like a robot, right? But when I had to start praying my Salah, five times a day like i'm in the middle of my work but salah time comes i have to get up i have to go and pray and i felt that it was just bringing something into my life it was bringing meaning into my life right it was making me refocus that you know like otherwise i'll just be my mind and my heart is just focused on dunya you know what i mean and i'm detached from allah azawajal right but when i had to get up and pray it was bringing me back and making me realize what is the purpose of this life what am i here for what is my main goal in this life right that's what Salah does. Like coming from a Christian background, you know, we used to go to church once a week. So once a week, you're thinking about <laughs> you're thinking about your goal in life, right? Right. Whereas Islam is integral. It's every day. It's every moment. And the five prayers in particular. But as you know, we've got more than just the five prayers. If you want to go beyond that, there's more. There's there's the Adhkar. There's the time for Quran. There's you know. Okay. Um, Fikr at all times. So, you know, all the time, you know, you're 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 helping yourself to um you know realign yourself. And yeah, that, that actually, I just wanna mention that's exactly what subhanallah um you know, as you know, Allah Ta'ala says, right? We didn't Allah Ta'ala did not create us. The, you know, humans and jinn, except to worship him, right? So what salah is doing for you literally is helping you realign with your purpose, that purpose that Allah created you for.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, when you stand in front of Allah in salah, it should remind you of the standing, you know, on Qiyamah and how we're going to be, you know, accountable for our actions. Um, but like you said, it is unfortunate. Even sometimes, like, it happens um, where You're just so focused on, um, you know, other things, and then it's like sometimes you don't because you're in the zone. You don't want to be disrupted and then go for salat. You get me and come back, but um, in a way, that just taking that moment to go and, uh, you know, change your um, your focus from, let's say, your work or whatever you're doing. Uh, onto something that is of a greater greater purpose, like you know, your Lord and the the akhirah, and even the the ayat that you recite in the Quran. If you know the meaning of it and you ponder over it as you're reciting it uh, in the Salah, it just like you said that it just anchors and grounds you and makes you realize that everything else is trivial. Like let's say you're stressing about an exam or you're stressing about something that's happening in work, and, and then you re- come to Salah and you remind. It's a reminder that okay you know all of this doesn't matter as long as i have this connection with allah subhanahu Wa Taala. and in the Akhirah, you know allah will um inshallah by his mercy you know accept me and enter me into jannah uh, i mean ya Rab. Yeah, I so, think it's important to be mentally prepared like
1: you need to have a mental vision of your day as well like you need to you know, your life, this is what one thing I recommend, your life should revolve around your prayers. Most people, they do the opposite. They just fit, try to fit in their prayer around wherever they can. Like mm. you have to have a, a, you know, every day you need to have a, um, you know, you've already got a vision for your day that at a certain time, you've got certain times where you know that that's your time that you're going to pray, right? I'm not saying you have to pray right on the moment that the event goes, you might, you know, it might be like half an hour after or something, but you have a general idea that around this particular time every day, that, you know, I have to, that I need to slot that in. It's a priority, you know? And once mm-hmm. you start doing that and you make that priority, then slotting the rest of your life around the prayers, it becomes easy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And also, in terms of like, because, you know, as Muslim women, we have our mentors and we have that break, right? And then it's so difficult to kind of get back into the because sometimes it lasts for ten days, right? And then a lot of people like if I if you don't have that habit of going to the prayer mat regardless, you know, regardless of whether you're praying or not, maybe you do some adhkar on the prayer mat or something. Um, it's really it's really difficult after those ten days have gone. To now it takes at least a couple of days to readjust, especially with the fajr and maybe isha prayers.
1: Yeah, look, I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, it depends on your outlook. Like, if you could look at the prayers as if you're a fish out of water, when you leave your prayer, you're like a fish out of water. So, if you've realized that you, you're like those 10 days you've spent outside your prayer is like a fish out of water. What's it doing to you while well, you're not in the water? You know what I mean? And so, if you look at it like, Alhamdulillah, I'm able to go back to the water now, like, and how much I really need this salah for my life then you actually look forward to it you know you will be looking forward to get, getting back to it because you know how much it's so important for your iman okay it's so important for your iman it's what really strengthens your iman without without the um the salah your iman will become weaker right and that's why actually when you're not praying it's highly recommended that you do you know more اذکار and if you take the opinion of you know um being so able to cool. recite the quran and you know memorize quran revise quran you know, you, you, make, you make the most of that time to to try to do more of that because you're going to need that to, um, you know, to make up for the times you're not praying. It, it does have an impact on your Iman.
0: It does, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, for me personally, I feel like when I'm, uh, especially on on my, you know, mentors, and then I feel like um, I kind of lose track of time as well because, it's, yeah. you know, like you said, Salah is like it, it is also when you slot it in your day, you kind of you uh, you can revolve it, your all your other activities revolve around that. So when you don't have that, then it's like you feel kind of lost. Like okay, this yeah I can just keep on going with all these other stuff, but I just don't know where my time is uh, is going. Yes. You know what uh-huh. I mean? yeah. So I think that's really a, an important point that I wanted to you know discuss because part of building this strong Muslim identity is. The fact that, alhamdulillah, you know, we in our faith, we have five times a day, you know, talking to our creator directly. Like which other faith has that kind of, uh, you know, direct access Eh, five times a day? Like for them, like you said, once a week to church or maybe for others, it's even like non-existent. Right. Uh, So, yeah, alhamdulillah. That's really important. So, um, sorry, going back to, you said, so you started to practice and you were working on your prayers. And then how did you continue with your other other acts and also seeking knowledge and, and that?
1: So, like I said to you, because of the, like, the huge impact that praying prayers had on me in strengthening my Iman, in basically, you know, like just bolstering my Iman, right? I started reading uh, like I, some um, sisters had given me some books about the hijab. And once I read about the hijab, like I really wanted to put that on as well. Like I wanted to wear that even though I was still living with my my family, non, my non-Muslim family, I was still um, working full time with all non-Muslims. I was going to university where like there was no really, there was really no Muslims in my university except for maybe like about, I don't know, probably about 10 maximum
0: and
1: the um, whole university. <laughs> um and so subhanAllah like i just made this goal that you know um so what i used what i started doing actually was i started wearing the hijab to um islamic events so i wear it i I, I wear it basically all weekend like i used to spend as much time as i could with muslims that i think that's very important like if you want to be um if you want to be strong in your iman your company is everything company is everything like as the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, right? Uh, a person is upon the religion of his friend. may mayu khalilu, right? Uh, look at look at uh, you know who who you um your befriend. befriend, no. So um, you know, I would keep myself um busy on you know, weekends, going, you know, staying with in going to any event that was on, I'd make sure I go to that, you know, hang around with um Practicing Muslims as much as I could. That's that's what how I'd spend my um, weekends because I knew that all week I'm gonna be going to work. Um I'm gonna be with all non, non-Muslims all week, I'm gonna be with my family. It's gonna be hard. And then if I felt a bit low in my man during the week, I bring up some Muslims and talk to them during the week. Um, so that helped. And and then, the, yeah, I just made this decision that um, okay, so I was wearing the hijab as, as I said, part-time. I was wearing it to um, all these events. And then I just felt very strongly that I need to do this. Like I felt like I wasn't, I didn't feel um, complete in my identity, like as a Muslim, like I wanted to, like people wouldn't recognize me. Like I'd be going around and saying, I said, I'm an equal to people, but they wouldn't know I'm Muslim, you know? Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was kind of living a double life. Like I felt like I've got this Islam inside me, but no one really knows I'm Muslim. And I, I just wanted to embrace it completely as a lifestyle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I got to a point where I just can't live like this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. I can't live this double life. Like, I, I've, got to, I've got to completely embrace Islam, like, you know, fully. And, yeah, so I basically wrote a letter to my family and told them, you know, um, I, I mentioned some um, verses from the Bible. Okay. And um, about, you know, wearing a, a head covering. There is something in the Bible about that. And I just told them that, you know, I really want to wear the the hijab and um, that I'm going to – at first I had made the decision, I'm not going to wear it to work. I'm only going to be wearing it, like, at home or when I go out with, you know, on the weekends and stuff like that. But after about a few days of doing that, I I felt like, no, no, I've got to just do this. I've got to do this everywhere. You know what I mean? So I started wearing a a head covering to work, but I didn't wear it, like, all the way to the front of my head. Like, I – I wore it, you know, to the back a little bit, showing, my, showing a bit of my hair at the front. And again, please, everybody has to understand, we're talking about a whole different time where you never saw, like I'm talking about a time where you did not see anyone wearing hijab. Mm. <laughs> you did not see anyone wearing hijab back then at all. Okay, so I'm
0: like a sore thumb in the mood. You know what I mean? Like I am I look completely and, different. Uh, and a river as well. So you're just still like a beginner in the faith. Exactly. And, exactly. Um, and I'm just trying
1: to find my way. You know what I mean? Um, so I started off like that. And then after, because I just, also you got to understand that as a revert, you, you, you've you got to take things in a way that you can handle. Like you don't want to rush straight in and then, you know, your whole family goes against you, which they, they may, which mine mine did too, you know. And then, you know, your workplace is going to go against you, which they did too. And, like, you've got to be able to handle all that, okay, because those changes are going to have impacts. So, um So that's why you've got to be ready for it. And I knew that, like, I need to be ready for when they're going to start saying something. So the first week they didn't really say anything because I had sort of done it, like, gradually. But it was more like the second week they started asking me, you know, what's going on. We've noticed you started um, changing your dress. And they thought I was being, you know, influenced by some music, um, you know, something like a trend or something like that. They weren't really sure what was going on. But then I just basically told them that, you know, i become Muslim and, um and like, I'm starting to wear the hijab now, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, it takes a lot of guts to do that. I'm sure anybody here who's ever had to put on hijab, you know, you understand it's it takes a lot, a lot to be able to be in an environment where there's no Muslims around you, no one's wearing hijab at all, and you're the only one who's turning up with hijab on. Like, it takes a lot to do. You know, alhamdulillah, it's yeah. you know, only from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that, you know, gives you tawfiq to be able to do that.
0: Truly, yeah. <laughs> You know, subhanallah, when you mentioned how um you felt like you 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 weren't a complete Muslim. You know, you wanted to embrace it completely. And for you, that step was now putting on the hijab. Uh, you know, it's so ironic because nowadays, like when I see a lot of you know our Muslim sisters and how they're you know they're they're Muslims, but they they're doing the opposite. Like they want to take it off. It, and it's not like they want to be. Uh, known as Muslims now, I don't know. Everyone has personal reasons as to you know why they take certain steps, but it's it's interesting because sometimes people feel like okay, I'm wearing this hijab and you know I'm just I'm gonna be judged you know and um my because they want to engage in let's say I don't know other actions and they're like oh they're gonna be judged. I I'm trying to understand like how, I mean maybe it's a fact that they they don't have that confidence in their faith um to begin with and maybe that's why they don't want to associate with their faith and they just want to take it off that's that's actually that's actually not something new even back Mm -hmm. when i was when
1: i reverted um i knew of i heard of you know um because we had a lot of lebanese back then like that that was the main muslims that i used to know back then there were many lebanese muslims and i knew that um i would hear lots of stories about girls who you know um would wear hijab in front of their their parents and they would take it off at the um train station and that was going on back then too It's, it's not something new but what i can tell you because i grew up with like i spent my teenage years with some of these lebanese families like i came to islam probably through the most unpracticing muslims out there right so it's good it's been very beneficial to me because it helped me get an inside understanding of why that goes on. You know what I mean? And I can tell you that the main reason is, like, and it's something that the Prophet has shown us, you know, about, about you know, that the the altar is very much impacted by the inner. You know what I'm trying to say? So if you look at that um, hadith in which the Messenger of Allah tells us, Allah inna fil إذا صلاحت صلاح الجسد كله، وإذا فسدت فسد الجسد كله. ألا وهي القلب. right? Uh, verily um, in the body there is a lump of flesh. if that lump of flesh is um, rectified, the rest of the body will be rectified. if that lump of flesh, uh, you know, there's some sort of corruption in it or something like that, then subhanallah that would have an impact on the outer as well. so I can tell you that basically um, if, you know, someone's struggling with practising outwardly, we need to work on the inner, right? We have to start with the inner. Now, often looking at the sisters I knew back then, you know, their parents had done the best they could, but the parents didn't really have a lot of knowledge. You know, they'd made Islam just halal and haram. You know, the, the girls haven't had that. They haven't been given that beauty of Islam. They haven't been taught you know you think about how did the messenger of allah sallallahu alaihi teach like bring how did he bring islam to the sahaba right all those years you know at least you know at least 10 years or more was just Tawheed, you know and and even the quran you know the the early ayats of the quran are all about al usul you know usul al iman they're all about the foundations of iman you know all about like developing the um awareness of Allah Allah taala you know thinking about Yom al akhir you know building up the iman building up thinking about jannah thinking about the nar and you know so it's you know all that's been developed and then the ahkam come down right but if you look at a lot of muslim families um as i said they did their best but because of the lack of knowledge and stuff like that so they haven't you know brought the kids up with that real love for Allah taala from the beginning it was just like that's haram and a, and a lot of things they're told are not even haram half the time too you know like mm. um you know don't chew with your mouth open that's haram you know like <laughs> you know mm. what i mean Like, they're told. Yeah. um so when you've been brought up in you know you know believing that like everything in Islam is basically haram and because i used to do scripture teaching too by the way before um when i first reverted i used to do some scripture teaching to um second generation muslims and, you know, I used to talk to the girls and I would hear what they had to say. And that was one of the things they'd bring up. They'd go like, everything in our region is haram. And, um, you know, they haven't they haven't seen the beauty of Islam. And so this is why, like, if you don't, if you haven't got that, if you haven't had that, you know, introduction um, to Islam in the way that you've had your imam built up for you and then from your heart you wanted to wear hijab, you know, because how much you love Allah and you want to get close to Allah through this hijab, That's a whole different experience. Like, alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala enabled my husband and I to be able to do that with our children. You know, all all my children, alhamdulillah, min fadlillah, we raised them in a non-Muslim country. All of them embraced their Islamic identity wholeheartedly, right? But that's not something we forced upon them. That's something that, you know, we of course, we gently guided them to it, but we also were focused on building up their inner, you know, motivating them from, from within, so that you know they wanted to embrace islam like they felt proud you know to wear hijab when they you know reached nine years of age even they were proud to put it on they they wanted to do it you know from their heart and um you know alhamdulillah my daughter you know when she got to um her late what was it like there was a time where she was saying i'm not going to wear the naqab and all this and i didn't force it on her or anything i said it's up to you you know and um she was always like i'm never going to wear naqab and and then, subhanAllah, she got to a point where she goes, I'm going to wear the naqab. I'm like, no, 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 you should just finish your um, teaching degree first. You know, you're going to have to do prac. And then she went and she didn't listen to my husband and I and she just went she went and put it on. And, you know, she's living in a non-Muslim country and she she decided to wear it, you know. Um, so, alhamdulillah, it's all from Allah subhanAllah. The tawfiq is from Allah subhanAllah. But I'm just telling you as well that, you know, there is, there was, a, you know, there was a purposeful, you um, that they were given as well that obviously it's a sabab you know i'm trying to say there is a sabab involved it's not like that that just happened just like that you know there was a lot of alhamdulillah work put into that as well but of course allah is the one who gives tawfiq ultimately right
0: yeah 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 so you know uh you were saying how of course you know some parents they um well in fact a lot of parents who are more culturally inclined they you know always saying this that is haram and you know it's just uh it's crazy but now we're living in an age where knowledge is so accessible you know like if you just go onto google and type in like you know we- a weak iman like what to do you know kind of thing you'll come up with so many um articles and so many pieces of advice you know i feel like is there an is there really an excuse you know is there an excuse? Ah uh, look
1: I, I I think everyone's got, everyone's got their own situation. I I talked to a lot of sisters around the world and everyone's in, in very different situations. Like I I myself live in a very ideal situation Allah Mubarak, I live in a very strong community where I live. Um alhamdulillah I'm surra- like alhamdulillah I'm very heavily involved in obviously talabul ilm and teaching and and so like I'm you know my days are filled with you know teaching and and um seeking knowledge and i've got the sisters who come to my classes they're all very motivated and obviously i've created a very um you know like it's it's not just the, the, them who benefit i benefit because i have all those sisters around me that also are very like motivated towards their dean and my family and i we live in an area which is very um you know alhamdulillah, uh, it's high concentration of muslims um we have lots of masajid in our area you know in general the people who live in my area tend to be much more motivated towards their islam you know and they sort of you know we're kind of sticking together as a community because we know that this is the best place to you know to have that better environment Mm. so like i've got an ideal situation and um i mean i purposely tried to live here for that reason like when i came back from saudi i was wearing naqab um and i was worried about um you know living in, in there are areas obviously in Sydney that there's not very many Muslims at all. And I, and I know that it's going to, it's going to have, a, it's going to drag on me if I'm not living in an area where, you know, I'm so surrounded by um, practicing Muslims. So I was really making dua that I would be able to live, you know, in my area. So I think it really does depend on a person's experience. Like if you haven't really got a very good environment, it's going to be a lot harder for you. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Um, and, and you know inshallah your reward any sister out there that doesn't have the environment i ask allah taala to, to give you the, the the greatest reward because the harder the re, the harder the environment is the harder your circumstances and you holding on to your deen bismillah taala your your reward is greater for that inshallah
0: yeah definitely yeah. i mean, you know um you, you you mentioned about friendship and even now about environment and choosing your environment and stuff um, what advice would you have for sisters who like they don't, they just don't consider that. Like for them, they have their friends who they're very comfortable being around and they, like for them going and finding, you know, practicing sisters and that is like out of their comfort zone and they don't, they're not really interested in doing that. I mean, how, how would you advise them? Look, you don't have to just go
1: like, cause some people go to extremes with that, you know, like they might have their friends and then like, they're just, they kind of get into the Dean and they just like shun all their previous friends. I mean, look, um, the only time I would advise people to like really sort of consider stepping away from, um, from, from friends is if they really are involved with, you know, like major sins, they're really pulling you back to your old life. Like definitely if, you know, you've left um, a bad lifestyle, a lifestyle that's away from Islam and then you've got these friends and you know that when you're with them, they're going to just drag you backwards. That's when you really need to consider those, um, you know, because that's basically you're still choosing a bad environment in that case, right? Um, so, you know, look, if you, if anyone's looking for good environments, if you're looking for good company, you can always find them in the halaqat al-ilm, always. Like if you've got a Quran class wherever you live or if you've got some sort of... Um, place where you know sisters come together and and do you know they 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 have um together um you know you will always find good sisters come into those um gatherings and that's how you'll make new friends like alhamdulillah like i have my Sharia classes here in sydney you know a lot of the young girls come in and like my i teach um over 17 year olds you know and you know a lot of them are like university students and some of them don't they didn't have any friends before, but alhamdulillah, through the classes, you know, through coming to the to the to the gatherings, they met new friends and you know, and, and these friends they sometimes go on journeys with them, like as in they go on like they they begin their journey of life, you know, um with each other, like they might both eventually get married, they might start having children together. So, you know, and they met each other at the Sharia class, you know what I'm trying to say? So and that's how they they support each other. They start visiting each other outside of classes and this is how you. This is how you. You, you find good company, inshallah.
0: Yeah, uh, and also nowadays, you know, with social media, um, you can also find uh, a lot of sisters on there as well. Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, uh, I know. With me personally, I I didn't ever consider myself doing, uh, you know, online classes and that. But of course, you know, with the whole pandemic and that, it had to be like I had no choice. And now I find there's always there's hikma in that because sisters who are not in an environment where they have uh, you know, practicing sisters around them and they're able to, you know, come together, even if it's virtually and yeah. have that, have that connection. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's the same thing with me because
1: subhanAllah, that was something I hadn't considered previously. I'd just been teaching here in Sydney for so many years, right? My classes. Um, however, when the, you know, the pandemic um, began, uh, we had to go online with my class and then there was all these sisters that had subhanallah that always wanted to study with me all these years but because i lived too far away it was too hard to come and then i had sisters interstate as well and so subhanallah i ended up opening up my classes um at the moment i've only made it from uh, available to australian students like for the sisters in australia because i really can't cope i'm still alhamdulillah doing my masters at the moment um in usul alhamdulillah so i have got a lot going on and i've got all my other classes i teach you know d- regularly so it's very hard for me to take on too many students um but alhamdulillah i i offered it to the sisters you know like um within australia i do have a couple of international students but i didn't really um i haven't really you know sort of That's i did not want to open up too much because yeah. i can't it's hard for me to follow up i don't have a secretary i don't have anyone to like <laughs> follow up all the um the students each semester um, yeah, because there's a lot involved when you have um, classes. There's a lot of yeah. I like, a lot. I have multiple classes, so I need to, you know. And also, I like I, I believe that um, it's better to do something small well than do, you know, to overburden yourself and end up not doing it well because you've taken on too much. So, um,
0: yeah.
1: So yeah, alhamdulillah. But yeah, what you're saying, uh, definitely. Um, I have sisters in my classes that yeah, they don't have a community. So they have really benefited from, you know, seeing the community that we have, you know, um, here in Sydney in general. We do have, alhamdulillah, like, uh, you know, there is because of, I told you there's a lot of concentration, there's a high concentration of practicing Muslims because if you can understand when you come to a Western country, um, you know, you have a yes. choice. You have a choice. Do you want to practice Islam or not? If you don't want to practice Islam, you go live somewhere far away. But when you want to practice Islam, you want to stick to the masjid, you want to stick to the place where you can find the halal meat. So that's what ends up, you know, the, the Islamic um, schools. So then you end up with a concentration of Muslims in certain areas. That's
0: what's happened to us. Yeah, that's yeah. The we have. Yeah, you're, it reminds me of, um, so I was brought up in the UK and the place, the town that I come from, it's like, it's a small town, but it's so highly concentrated with Muslims, subhanAllah, that they have like, so many masajid just in that one town and it's like you're literally walking distance from the different masajid so it's amazing and everyone uh is like uh you know you see them wearing hijab a lot of people wearing and yeah that definitely um you know plays a role in in how strong your identity forms you know um although i would say nowadays there are a lot of uh people who Maybe I guess it's because they're influenced by a lot of the youth, they, you know, spend a lot of time on social media and they may be influenced by even though their actual physical environment is, you know, full of Muslims and practicing and going to the masjid, going to classes. But because their virtual life is kind of, you know, in a different environment and a not so yeah. practicing environment, so then they kind of feel pressured by that. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Mm. yeah so tell us about uh now once you started seeking knowledge how was that experience for you it's been a,
1: my journey in seeking knowledge has been extremely long yeah it's um, something ongoing, I've, been, I've always
0: pardon i said it's still ongoing mashallah as well. absolutely
1: and yeah. um subhanallah it's like wallahi i i just thank allah ta'ala that he put this I can't explain it. Like, it's an absolute passion for knowledge. It's an absolute passion for seeking knowledge. I've always, alhamdulillah, it's a fadl min Allah, because not everybody has that, you know, alhamdulillah. Um, Mm -hmm. But from the very beginning, like, I knew this is what I wanted to do. This is the path I've always wanted. And, um, you know, from the very beginning, and when I first, even when I first reverted, I was straight away trying to memorize the Qur'an. And I'm talking about just trying to memorize even, you know, you know, Suud al-Kafirun, you know, I started with the short surahs, but I knew I wanted to memorise. Um, first of all, my goal was obviously to memorise Juzamma. Uh, but, you know, I, I already from a very early, from very the early days, I already had made up my mind that I wanted to memorise the Quran, you know. And also um, because I told you that, subhanAllah, because I've been hanging around with these, you know, um, Arabic-speaking people, different Arabic speakers, not all Muslims, by the way, some of them were not Muslims, but um, I'd already had an interest in learning Arabic even before becoming Muslim. Yeah. So, and I'm talking about Lebanese, I'm talking about Syrian, I'm talking about <laughs> different dialects. Um, but, yeah, once I, um, once I, you know, reverted and I started, like I said, memorising the Quran, I got an interest in, it's just a gradual process, you know, I started wanting to uh, learn how to, you know, read Arabic. Um, I started doing Tajweed lessons in Australia and then, uh, subhanAllah, my husband and I, we wanted to live in Saudi Arabia because we thought it'd be, a, you know, a better lifestyle, a, you know, stronger Islam for us. And I really wanted to uh, enroll in the university there. That was my number one goal to, to, to enroll in. It was the only university I knew of that took women was al Qura.
0: But oh, that's,
1: um, that's a whole long, another whole long story. But basically, um, until now, I have not known one Australian student to be taken by Umu qura even male, right? But even all those years ago, um, I had tried to apply, but there was so much red tape. I did know a couple of sisters that did study study at Umu qura who were not Saudis, but that had happened because, like, for example, one of them, her, her husband was a teacher at Umu qura And you know how it is in Saudi Arabia, like, if you yeah. know someone or you've got the foot in the door and <laughs> things like that. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. other than that, yeah, so... When that didn't work out, um, I was because we had been advised to stay with one particular um, scholar in Jidda, and that that scholar's family, you know, had told me about the um, Darul Huda, which is a very you know high reputable um, you know Quran Quran madrasa. Is um, it still open? Is it no, still open? it is. Yep, still open until now, and uh, it's like because it's all under um, the Chef Eamon Suede and his students. That's why it's got a very mashallah, tabarakallah strong reputation. Mm-hmm. So alhamdulillah, Allah knows best because subhanallah. Like you know, sometimes you think that you know, like Allah Taala. Yani, how can I say to you? Sometimes you think you know what's best for you, but like as Allah says, Right? Right? SubhanAllah, because what I'm, tra- what I'm saying this for is because I thought my, to myself the best thing for me to study right now was to do this degree in, um, you know, in Islamic studies or, or Sharia sciences. Um, but subhanAllah, Allah actually directed me to the Quran, right? And at the time, I'm sad to say it, I'm ashamed to say it, it's just my own ignorance, I saw it as a second best option. But now looking back, I realised it was a huge fadl min Allah because had i know a lot of sharia students who did not take the path of quran and they didn't and because of the Shia sciences they studied they never actually went down that road
0: mm.
1: but i feel like allah Ta'ala put me on that road first you know what i mean and it yeah. gave me that first before going into sharia sciences seriously right yeah. and you know through that, I was able to teach my own children, Alhamdulillah, the Quran. And and that is the greatest gift, you know, that, you know, Allah Ta'ala could have given me, subhanAllah.
0: Yeah, mashallah. Uh, you're reminding me of my journey as well, because I really, really wanted to study at Ummul Quran as well. And this is like, subhanallah. fast forward, uh, how many years from you? Maybe like 20 years? SubhanAllah. See, it hasn't changed one little <laughs> bit. <laughs> like, yeah, it I'm hasn't. And I was like, um, you know, I even went and visited the uni when I came for Umrah and um, uh, I was just like shocked at how, um, how they kind of treated like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, you've come, you know, from a different country, you want to inquire, you know, let's, uh, you know, give, give you that assistance. It was like, oh, you can check everything online. And I was like, I've come all this way. You know, I want to ask some questions. Can you not just, you know. And that's where I think another aspect of, you know, this whole Muslim identity is that sometimes, you know, when we encounter people who are Muslim, like especially in a Muslim country like, you know, Saudi Arabia, um, we are like literally supposed to be the hub of like Islam. You know what I mean? And when you encounter people who are you know supposedly like you said this sharia classes that they they were teaching and these are teachers who teach these sciences and you know and yet they deal with you in such a manner it kind of you know for a person who isn't grounded in their faith they kind of puts you off like is this how people with islamic knowledge behave do you know what i mean I, I, i hate to tell you this but i got
1: to a point when i was living in Saudi arabia where i said to my husband if I'm to bring up my children with a strong sense of love for Allah and Islam, I said, I can't. I know I can't do it here. And I know a lot of people might not understand that because you haven't lived in Saudi Arabia to see what it's like to live there and the lifestyle and a lot of things that go on there. Um, you need to have walked in my shoes to understand where I'm coming from. Um, but I, I, I had met so many, there was, I just found that, like with, with so many, okay, not everybody. I met some amazing sisters. Let me tell you this. I met some absolutely amazing sisters when I was there, to barakallah. However, they weren't, <laughs> they were the minority. And um, the vast majority, you know, I found them very apathetic, which was very upsetting to me as a revert. Like I'll tell you, I spent almost two years just crying because of the apathy, you know, the, the lack of interest in Islam, the lack of love for Islam. It, it it was really hurting my heart so much. I couldn't believe that these people had this treasure and yet, you know, there's just this. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Like they don't know, care. Yeah. They just don't care. And I, I could yeah. understand that as because I, because also, I just want to also explain something that I had a very idealistic, under, you know, idea of what I'm going to to in Saudi Arabia when I went there. I'm thinking this is like the land of Sahaba. This is like you know, and I'm thinking I'm going to meet Sahaba. I'm going <laughs> to. Not a yeah. Sahaba, but like, you know i really motiv- yeah. highly motivated, which I, look, I did, alhamdulillah, wallahi, I did meet some amazing, and I'm talking about, wallahi, I had, you know, I did really meet some sisters that I could say did fulfill this, okay? But, you know, um, the minority, yeah. there was so yeah. many other things that happened to my husband, so many other things we went through the life. We went through a very a lot of trials, right? We went through a lot of trials and we lived there. And um there's you know, because you know, my husband, you know, he was treated as an Egyptian, for example. You know, he wasn't you know, there's and you know that there is there are there are these um issues that, that are there. Um, if you're not Saudi or if you're not if you don't happen to have a Western passport, things like that. You know, there's different treatment. yeah.
0: Yeah it's a, it's. there's a lot of unfairness unfortunately yeah, yeah. so
1: when you yeah. see that and you know because you're because I'm coming as an idealistic revert like islam is the you know and, and and islam is islam is that islam does have all that but the muslims are a whole different story
0: yep <laughs> you know what and I'm that is uh, yeah and that is what uh you know we need to understand yeah. when it comes to uh even when you know you shouldn't put us off Uh, being uh you know proud to be a muslim just because other people are behaving like that because at the end of the day that's their uh, you know their deeds and that's their like they're going to be accountable for that right but we should try and uh you know look to the actual uh go back to the the essence of what islam is and try and practice that you know as best as we can because i know you know as um Like, for example, I wear the niqab, right? And I know a lot of sisters maybe puts them off, uh, you know, wearing the niqab or uh, even like, you know, wearing the hijab maybe because of how other Muslim sisters may, you know, treat others uh, with the same, you know, even though they're wearing the same thing. And what I feel is that it doesn't matter like what they're doing. At the end of the day, the essence of Islam isn't that and we should try and implement what the essence is. No, look, I mean, for me... I, did, As I said in the beginning,
1: I didn't come to Islam through the most practising Muslims anyway. So for me, I've always said the reason I came to Islam is because I believe it's the absolute truth. All right? And I've always said, if I'm the, if I'm the only one on this earth trying to practise the religion, you know, I, I can't on your al come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and say the reason I'm not practising is because nobody else was either. Do you know, Do you know what I'm trying to say? That's not going to be an excuse. Like we're all going to be questioned individually about our own um, implementation of of the dean and you can't just say well such and such was doing that so i'm just going to do that too you know it's not going to be an excuse for you on your mokiyama so mm-hmm. that's my outlook um if no one else if i can't find the right examples then i have to try to make myself into that example you know that's what we should all be thinking for ourselves like if you don't see the examples around you you build yourself so you can be the example inshallah because we need more of those people may Allah make us Help us to rectify ourselves, and you know, uh, give us a thabat. You know, may He keep us steadfast inshallah, because it's it's a long journey. It's not easy. You're going to go through a lot of tests. You know.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, yeah. So, um, so you said so. The the first thing alhamdulillah Allah brought you is to the Quran, like to uh, you know, have that relationship with the Quran. So tell us what do, uh, you were learning that to memorize. Uh, you were learning the Tajweed. You were learning. What yeah, so in
1: doing? when I was in Australia, I already had been doing Tajweed classes. So, alhamdulillah, I had already done probably basically level one of Tajweed when I was in Australia. I'd covered that. And then, alhamdulillah, and I'd already met started memorising the Quran on my own, right? Um My husband, of course, is Arabic speaker. So that helped, you know, I could go like run, say the ayat back and he could hear, you know, how I'm fixing up my pronunciation. I also used to study with some sisters here, um, you know, like, again, Quran, but then when I went to, um, when I studied um, in Jiddah, um, it was a very strong program, very strong program of memorization, like you do al Baqarah in a whole year, the whole of al Baqarah, that's a lot for me, like maybe um, a born Muslim, that's not um, so much, but for a revert, and I, when I first joined the Quran school, I just want to add that I couldn't even read, I mean, I wasn't able to memorize from the Mus'haf, okay, because I wasn't familiarized enough with the arabic script when i first joined the, the quran school we were doing um surah ali imran we did that in our holiday break um i ha- actually had memorized that from transliteration like i used to write it out i used to write out the um you know copy out the co- copy out the transliteration and then write the english underneath that's how i memorized surah ali imran and i memorized uh, the last five ages as well of the quran but then when i started doing um surah Al-Baqarah, that's when i Alhamdulillah, finally had built up enough, you know, familiar, familiarization with the um, Arabic script and was able to, like, sort of transfer over and start memorizing, you know, from the
0: Arabic script. Right. And then and you know just what, that after yeah, that. Yeah, sorry. No. So, uh, I was just going to say, you know, when while you're talking, one ayah comes to mind, and um, that's, وَالَّذِينَ yeah. And I feel like, subhanAllah, you know, Allah gave you that tawfiq to put that effort to do that mujahada and, you know Allah opened up upon you like imagine who would have thought like a and already you know within first couple of years how many years had it been up until this point uh since you had reverted so when you had like um, uh you know it's hard to do uh, other distant
1: maths <laughs> like let me see um so you were yeah, it's, you, it's over 30 years now it's over 30 years now alhamdulillah um
0: but, yeah, but look, what about I, when you when you were in Jeddah?
1: how many years had it been uh oh, not the... long not that long only a few years not just a few years but you know i want to tell you something so role models and mentors are very important like as soon as i landed i'm not joking as soon as i landed in jidda i was already um because we had been advised like i told you by like we actually got advised by one scholar like Sheikh al bani some people may know of him like you're, yeah. you're a different generation now but um yeah. we had been in contact well, with him he's, he,
0: yeah he so advised us like to, was, to be, um in jidda at the time no
1: no he wasn't there at his to- that time but his daughters were but um we got advised to go with one particular scholar because we had asked him who should we stay with in jidda so he advised us to stay with one particular scholar in um jidda and then when i got you know i met them i basically had asked him about any reverts like I was very interested to know reverts and then they told me about like, for example, my sheikha, um, sheikha Karima, um, she's a revert, mashallah, tabarakallah I was very highly motivated. So I wanted to meet sisters who had, I think I was interested to know reverts because I knew that if I'm going to study Arabia, for sure, there has to be reverts there who have really, let's say, excelled in their deen. Mm. you know what i'm trying to say and alhamdulillah yeah. i did find that like i met like shaykh karima she had definitely excelled like she's you know you know as you know she's mashallah like um she has you know ijazat in in like in every single like in all the qiraat um and she meant like when i met her she was just finishing off her memorization of the quran like the whole quran and then i met another sister who's also a revert she has studied at al Umu qura Okay so I met these sisters that were all reverts and they were a very big inspiration for me you know and like I guess when I saw them it's like you know what inshallah, they that's their goals you know what I'm trying to say like I want to work towards those goals for myself
0: yeah yeah mashallah. so uh you are blessed mashallah to to actually see you know these these role models and people who you could look look up to uh and that's something that is really important nowadays but I feel like like you said, you know, if if you're not seeing that example, you have to sometimes be the example. Um, and I know with me personally, it's like I I don't know I I can't seem to find uh, you know like uh, there are a few people who I look up to and who are inspirational, but it's not it's not uh, you know many. And for me, I feel like when I'm just let's say reading on the on the Sahabiyat or the you know the. The wives of the Prophet ﷺ and the just the oh, scholars, you know, female and male of the the our predecessors. I feel like that for me is where my inspiration and you know the role models yeah. come from. It, it, it and is that's, mm, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, go
1: on. Yeah, no, I was just going to say to you, I really believe that if you really make a strong dua, because that's what I did before I left Australia, I re- I made a really some very strong dua, I really ask Allah Ta'ala to, to guide me to, you know, to these examples. And I want to just mention too, I have met great examples in Australia too, not just not just in Saudi, but um, mm. I've always tried to seek out those, you know, what I'm trying to say, people who are like kind of really have excelled, I really tried to seek them out wherever I went and even online. I still do it. Like the way I choose my friends in real life I also do it online. That's just my personal, um, that's the way I find that helps me so much. Like, because when I keep myself around people who are highly motivated, that's what helps to really motivate myself.
0: Well, subhanAllah, you mentioned yeah. that is, uh, that is something that I think that we can all take away from. Because, um, you know, nowadays, we don't think twice about who we, you know, are surrounded by online. And that has a very very big effect what we see and what we hear you know eventually reaches the heart right and absolutely uh, yeah. that's why we have to we have to be really careful about the kind of content that we're listening to or watching or the kind of people that you know we're surrounded by online because um, that has an influence yeah absolutely. so then um, so tell us so you were in Jiddah for how many how many years Just a couple of years alhamdulillah. Because okay. I ended up I'm currently, I'm currently here for four years, and uh, I think I'll be leaving soon. So yeah. were you here for like four years as well? No, no, not that long. I was only there for a couple
1: of years. But what happened with me? I ended up having twins. I tried mm. my best to live there the best I could. I took, I made the most of every moment of England that I could get out of out of my, you know, my time there. I did not waste a moment. In fact, I was attending classes right up until. Like one or two weeks before I actually gave birth to my twins, that was to the level that mm-hmm. I was very determined. I would um, I would meet up with um, you know the very scholarly sisters that were in Jeddah. Like there was Sheikha Karima, uh, sorry Sheikha Rihab, who's the Sheikha of Karima. She was my neighbor, so I would make sure that I was always in the company of you know the best sisters that I could find, you know, to to motivate myself and learn from. But. Um, Basically what happened was once I had my twins, if, if anyone has ever had twins, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's like you, you can't, it's not like having one child where you can easily just go out or anything. You know, I had to stop my activities. I wasn't able to continue studying anymore. I had to stop my studies, but I did keep my moraja going. Like I kept going with my moraja, like because that was something that filled up my days, but I was very isolated. Like back in those days, there was no phones, no internet, not even a landline. You know, so I was very, very cut off, and I was trying to struggle on my own with my husband going to work, and you know, I've got these twins. So if anyone can kind of imagine that, if you think lockdowns are hard, um, you should try living in Saudi Arabia in those days. That's that's <laughs> what that's what you call a real lockdown. Like you can't even you can't go outside. It's not that safe to kind of just go walking around here and there. And and, and, the and you go with twins anyway. <laughs> you know what
0: I mean? Yeah, and um, the
1: heat, the weather. So, it wasn't good. It wasn't very good for my mental health. Okay, so I basically got to the point where I told, and I had another son, by the way, as well. It wasn't just my twins. Um, So then I told my husband, "I just I, that's it. I can't. I can't go on." Like I, I can tell. I, and also, I, I, having lived there, I knew that my son wouldn't be able to go to a normal school. He would have to go to a you know a private school, which we have to pay for. And the private schools are mainly English speaking, you know. And I thought, what mm. am I? What am I here for then? You know, if you can't even go to a normal um school and you know, anyway, to cut a long story short, we we left, came back to Australia. but uh, and 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 also I tried to find out about um studying Arabic when I was there, and interestingly, it's not highly offered. And even if they had a few classes, the classes would soon fizzle out once you get to a higher level in Arabic because nobody else, like if you can't haven't got enough number of people studying it, yeah. Uh, the classes will, will discontinue. I came back to Australia and I found my local university here was offering Arabic as a course. Wow. Um, in my classes I had, you know, Jordanian students, Lebanese students who had sort of like left Jordan when they were like year 9, year 10. So I ended up doing an Arabic degree. I had a, 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 a professor who had a PhD in Arabic and he was a sher as well, like he was a, um, a poet cool. actually as well. Oh, like, he's passed away now, but he was my, um, one of my main teachers in Arabic. So I ended up doing a degree over a number of years, mind you, while I'm raising my, my children as well. Um, yeah, I did a degree in Arabic and that, that really helped, you know, Alhamdulillah as well.
0: Yeah, I think the level that um, you probably are at with the, you know, with learning in uh, Sydney is probably higher than what you'd learn here absolutely because we had to do all the qawaid like we had to study
1: like you get set subjects that you have to study um so yeah absolutely
0: yeah wow subhanallah so so your journey of uh seeking knowledge you know you didn't let you didn't let like having twins you didn't let anything come in the way subhanallah
1: it's, honestly i tell you subhanallah i don't know it's as i said i ask a lot to keep that that light burning mm-hmm. in my heart like I've just got a very strong passion towards it I, it's I, i've I've, no, I've never given up I've always wanted to you know absolutely love it like i get a sweetness from 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 studying and from seeking knowledge and i think that's what keeps me going you know alhamdulillah.
0: yeah yeah definitely and you know the reason why i uh, i wanted to you know sh- hear your story and let other sisters know about it is because we we all need to take you know that inspiration and you know that we need to like help each other and sometimes yeah, using yeah. real life examples is what Shail you know motivates us yeah so um sorry i i know i'm i'm just keep on asking you a lot of questions but i'm just so intrigued mashallah that um so after you completed your arabic and then you went on to now sharia classes
1: yeah so um okay so i, I finished my so during this time, I'm raising children. I'm teaching my kids the Quran as well because I wanted my kids to memorize the Quran. So this was my life, juggling between um, doing my, my own murajah, um, studying at university, finishing off my degree, and then raising my children. By the time I had um, graduated from university and I was studying part time, mind you, I, um, I, what, well, let me think, is before I gave birth to my fifth son. Okay. Mm-hmm. So after that, um, I began uh translating uh the um like you know uh khutub, you know like sermons and durus of, of, of scholars. I got into that and like we had halal. So was that
0: for your own was that for your own personal or to like share? So what happened was
1: we we had like because we have alhamdulillah, like we have like we have a sheikh that we've been with for many, many, many years, my, my family and I. Um, and we've always been very stuck to you know, with the community with that particular Sheikh, Mashallah. And then, uh, is he there in Sydney? Yes. And okay. you would know his son. His son is very famous, mashallah. His name's um Sheikh Abu Bak Zord. Oh yeah, that's yeah that's his yeah. son, but we, we, we we're very close to the his father. Okay. Um may, may I preserve him he's mashallah amazing um Sheikh.
0: Anyway like so he still, um, he still uh you know does lectures on that there in Sydney absolutely yeah absolutely he does but like he's more of an arabic like he's an arabic speaking sheikh so
1: he tends to do more he does his khutbah like if you can see it you can go to masjid as sunnah that's where oh. i teach and that's that's our sheikh like he usually gives a khutbah on fridays he, he live streams it on masjid al sunnah um mm. but anyway so like i started giving halakat many many years ago like almost 20 years ago i started giving halakat, just general halaqat but what happened was i started giving fiqh to the sisters, just basic fiqh, practical fiqh. And then my sheikh, um, he suggested to me, he said, look, you need to do something more serious than, than just doing, you know, you need to do structured lessons. Like he wanted me to do, like going to uh, more structural uh, lessons. And that's what like pushed me into like becoming more serious with my, um, you know, studying Sharia sciences. So I got into, I was enrolled in one, um, academy it's um it's with arabic scholars because i had that that's what i the reason i studied arabic was i wanted arabic for you know i know that arabic is the key to opening up the islamic sciences like i knew if i wanted to study islam at a serious level i need to have arabic right
0: yeah
1: so i started um studying with um various scholars in they're based in Riyadh. um my main because i had read on i had read other students saying about how when you go to medina because that was always my, my ultimate goal. Like, I always just wanted to get that degree, you know what I mean? And um, so I had seen them saying that if you want to be a strong student, you can't just take the university cr- curriculum. You need to study durasat al mutun as well on the yeah. side with the scholars, right? Yeah. So I thought, okay, if I can't do the university degree, I'll do durasat al mutun. You know which is basically um arabic religious te- you know sorry it's um religious texts
0: okay yeah but they're not like uh, you know big books they're just kind of like the you know the foundation they're small,
1: but they're fundamental books like they're yeah. fan- foundational books like al al for example you know um you know al al-tahawiyah like all, all those um foundational books that are recommended and i was following a program um that was recommended by one of the scholars so i started um studying all those different um mutun um um, for example uh studying studying the whole all of these books like doing the sharh doing basically a whole sharh of the complete book right so that gave me a very strong foundation (laughs) hamdalin fiqh gave me a strong foundation in Aqidah. and then uh eventually um the mashaykh here they recommended that you know like that i consider studying like doing a formal you, you know formal qualifications um, that would inshallah you know enable me to be a sheikha, inshallah. So, um, alhamdulillah, I alhamdulillah, min ta'ala, finally, after all these years, I, I recently graduated um, from that degree in um, fiqh and, usool, and like that mm-hmm. took me five years to do that degree. And uh, I, did it,
0: was, I did it part time. Wow, mashallah. This was online, that's all online. Yes, is so the institute is still um. Is still available for new, uh, new students to enroll. So it's it's actually it's a it's a it's a formally um recognised
1: university. It's based in Malaysia, and it's very highly recommended. If you talk to any al they all recommend studying there because the program is very strong. You do a very similar program to um, Medina University in in Medina. Um, it's called Jamiyyatul Medina Al Alamia, right? So it's um. It's the
0: International Medina University. Um, is that the is that the one with the teachers from Riyadh?
1: The the one who set it up was um one of the you no know, one of the ulemat from Riyadh. Um, he went and he he established it. Um, so the programs, as I said, they are really highly recommended. Um, but you have to understand that you have to have a high level of Arabic to be able to do it. You, there's no English; it's all Arabic. So you need to, mm-hmm. if you want to you know do that, you need to like build your Arabic up to be able to um because there's a lot of reading involved, like a lot of reading involved
0: yeah so you uh you did the fiqh and usul was it a bachelor's or a bachelor now um, yeah so okay so your fo- the focus was on fiqh and usul what about uh, let's say hadith and tafsir and all that
1: you do a bit of that you do a bit of tafsir like every every student whatever um specialization you go into even if you're in medina university same thing you will do a bit of tafsir you do a bit of hadith but your your focus will be on fiqh and usul that's your main focus and i wanted the sharia like i wanted the sharia degree like a sharia degree is different than just doing like an aqidah degree you know what i'm trying to say it's um so i that's that's what i always wanted to do <sighs> yeah, alhamdulillah yeah. so that's
0: yeah yeah mashallah so you now you've uh you've finished and now you've already enrolled into a master's program yeah so that wasn't like
1: to be honest i didn't plan to do that like i always thought to myself okay that's enough i'll just do that but like, subhanAllah, this pandemic came along, and I'm not doing like I, I used to do a lot of public speaking before this. You know, I was always doing events and public speaking, and that's all stopped because of having COVID. And that's how, subhanAllah, you know, these things happen. And sometimes you realign your, um, you may, you know, you know, and you change your um, focus. And that's what's happened to me. Like, I've just realized that, you know what, I've got to this point in life where it's an ideal, I'm in an ideal time right now because my kids have grown up, um, I've got help in my house. And it's like, this is something I've always wanted to do. And I've, I spoke to one of my, as I said, one of those mentors I spoke about earlier, uh, she still lives in Jidda, Like she used to live in Mecca, but one of the things she said to me, she said to me, the only thing I regret is not doing my masters. Mm-hmm. When she said it to me, I thought, you know what? <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to also have that regret. So I thought, you know what, subhanAllah, you know what, since I've just finished, um, and i'm on a roll like i've got used to this uh pace of studying and everything i think the best thing is just go straight into this um you know into this degree even though it was very overwhelming to be quite honest yeah. um so far i've still got a lot of years ahead of me but i don't care because you know as i said this is my passion so <laughs> it doesn't really bother yeah. me how long it takes you know
0: yeah and and that's uh that's a really crucial point because You know, seeking knowledge, a lot of the times people think that oh, I'll just, you know, do one year, two years, but it's actually a lifetime. And, you know, know, the way we uh, overwhelm ourselves, that's what hinders us continuing for a lifetime, because then we want to just get it all in one go. But like there's a saying in in Arabic that the the ilm that comes all in once, you know, leaves all in once as well. So it's always good to do, you know, step by step and take it one step at a time. So what would you advise like sisters when they, uh, they, let's say they are born Muslims or reverts, but they, you know, getting interested in in the religion and they really want to study, what what should they start off with? You said the Quran. Look, I,
1: everyone has going
0: to have different goals.
1: Not everyone's going to be the same. We don't have to all go this this path. You know, you don't have to go the complete path, but you do need enough knowledge to sort of support your own iman and support your own family's iman. So I I, I do recommend everybody um you definitely should go into Quran because Quran is something that just brings so much sweetness in your life to be able to recite it, revise it, memorize it. And you have to memorize the whole Quran, you know, but just memorize the most, like some of the most uh, key parts of the Quran, like Juz Amma to be able to re, you know, recite in your Salawat, um, Surah sur Al-Kaf to, you know, to be able to, you know, read it on um, Fridays. um sur, sur Al-Baqarah, I would definitely recommend Surah Ali Imran. You know, try to memorize those ones at least, you know, um but besides that you know obviously you need your basic fiqh you need your basic fiqh um it's good to know the tafsir of um juzamma and um aqida. obviously you know you definitely want to uh learn your aqida um you don't again you don't have to specialize in it but you need to have your basic foundation because it really like i know with all the classes i teach um the sisters always love the aqida classes you know because it really uh brings them back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you know you're connecting learning who is Allah um yeah. and it's just something that really nourishes the iman you know nourishes the iman and you know so yeah. that's
0: that's you basically know, um,
1: argument, inshallah
0: yeah inshallah that's that's a good uh good foundation to have you know uh growing up in the UK they have this I don't know if they have it in um in Australia but they have this program they call it like an alimiya program where it's like six or seven years um of like they study uh hadith fiqh tafsir all of that right but one thing that uh and i and i personally did that and a lot of the a lot of like the youth they their parents like kind of you know encourage them to uh go into it and they, they're literally like 11 12 years old and um you know subhanallah i was just talking to a friend the other day about this whole system of you know when it comes to studying the deen and that and like you said aqeedah is actually very important and we even though that program is 6 7 years they've they'd hardly focus on that and when i came here to saudi and i realized subhanallah that that's the main focus here and that's the it's it's the game changer because when you're learning uh you know about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you, when you're learning about you know everything to do with like our purpose the akhirah and all that then you have that zeal to actually study further as opposed That's to just, you know, overwhelming with all of the sciences and then you're like, okay, yeah. you know, why did I learn this? And um, another thing that the it lacks is, you know, the the support, the tarbiyah, I think, is very important when you're actually seeking knowledge. Because a lot of the times we can get stuck in like the nitty-gritty, especially, you know, fiqh, like you can get stuck in the nitty-gritties of like this opinion yeah. and that opinion. Yeah, but true. then yeah and then the, that's where the Talbia comes in of like you know nurturing of okay how do you um you know approach someone who is uh you know following a different opinion or um how when you yourself are stuck or uh you know are feeling low in iman and that how you go about doing it and i feel like they really lack on that and as a result so many young muslims you know they they graduate from this and they It just, you can't see any effect of it because it's like as if they didn't learn it. And it's really shocking, but I'm just trying to think. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes, Allahu Alam too,
1: sometimes it's the parents want to make their child into something that the child doesn't want that for themselves. You know what I mean? You have to be motivated towards Aiden. It's not something that someone can make you into. You know what I
0: mean? It's a a path
1: you have to choose for yourself. So that can also be the reason why that they might not necessarily you know have got the most out of it as well allah and but it, also yeah. the dryness of the way that sometimes it's taught you know very dry way of teaching it
0: yeah it's That's just focused not. on it's, uh, it's very focused on like completing the book as a, and you know doing yeah. the exams as opposed to what yeah. can we derive from this and has um, it developed um,
1: your iman and how does that add to you as a as a believer you know what yeah, i mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. inshallah
0: and um, also, when you were saying about how, uh, you know, a lot of the times parents want their kids to be something that maybe the child doesn't want to be. And I find that that is what I see often as well. Um, yeah. And one of the things I would say is that if the parent wants the child to, let's say, you know, memorize the Quran, I think the parents should themselves take it you know, upon themselves yeah. to start doing it and show Absolutely. their child.
1: Um, Absolutely. Look, I honestly, any to any parent, I will say this. Action speaks far louder than words. You can say as much as you want to your child, but honestly, the greatest impact you're going to have on your child is through your own action.
0: Yeah. yeah definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so we've spoken a lot, mashallah. We'll just finish off uh, with... Um, some uh, like advice to give to especially young sisters nowadays who uh, you know let's they say they're really struggling with their faith and just uh g- becoming stronger as uh, with their identity and being proud of being proud of them their faith yeah look um well finish, you
1: know just to wrap up I guess the best advice I could give those those young sisters um as I said earlier, realize that if you are struggling then Start from building yourself from within. All right. Start from building yourself from within, and part of that is obviously taking that path of knowledge, um, adding to yourself because that's that's what actually you know strengthens and nourishes your iman, and so that's part of it. So it's part of it is knowledge. Part of it is you know um, seeking the path of um, you know the Quran, and also obviously trying to as much as you can um, implement. You know, the ibadah that Allah has given us, right? The the more you try to motivate yourself towards that, that is going to strengthen you. But as we said earlier, company is everything. You know, um, you seek out company wherever you can, whether we're talking about, you know, um, offline, if you're able to find that good company, those halaqat, if you can't, you know, you find it online. Alhamdulillah, we have online now. There is, you know, you look for those, um, look for those wherever you can, try to find you know, uh, groups of sisters or, you know, uh, role models or whatever you can find online that kind of, you know, you feel like that that's motivating you to want to be better. Um, look, I do have some, I do have a few lectures like on my YouTube. If anyone's interested, I I tried to put them out there because I realized that there are sisters out there in the world that don't really have, um, you know, female sheikh or, you know, um, teachers that, they don't have access to them in where they live right and it, it does make a difference i believe for a lot of sisters hearing it from the female perspective like hearing islam from a female perspective it's they can relate more to that in a lot of cases you know so um i did put a few i have a few lectures so if you go to youtube um jaman um have a look at some of those lectures you may find some of them inshallah supportive for you um Besides that, also another one more quick aspect is, you know, realizing that too. Sometimes the reason we're not we're having struggles in embracing our dean is sometimes even self esteem issues. Sometimes, you know, so sometimes people might need to work a little bit more on their self esteem because that's coming in the way. It's like a weakness that's coming in their way of of fully embracing and doing what they they really want to do from their heart. Yeah. So that's just some quick in a nutshell um tips that I hope. You know, can help people, but yeah, environment's everything. And if your environment's not good, if the, the, you know, the um, if there's certain things that are negatively affecting you, you need to realize that you you need you're going to need to sort of like um, move away from anything that's sort of like let's just say it as described as toxic or negative that's not helping you. You you are going to have to make choices about moving away from from those environments that that, that do weaken you.
0: Definitely, definitely. Jazakallah khair for uh, that summary. Also, I want to mention, um, if any of the sisters are looking for uh, classes, um, I do offer the uh, Qur'an one-on-one and in group classes as well, uh, if they want to, you know, f- learn Tajweed and recite in the Qur'an. And um, I've also just started a Sunday halaqa, which, uh, to be honest, I'm like, I don't know about how many sisters I can take on, but um, I mean, inshallah, you know we can we can accommodate for the sisters who who would really like to join, and they you know don't have that environment as well. So um, yeah, they can inshallah they can uh, reach out to me as well. Um, JazakAllah khair, sister Um Jamaluddin, Sheikha Um Jamaluddin, Um I I really sincerely pray that you know Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps uh, you and I and everyone who you know listens to this and who just genuinely is trying, you know, for the sake of Allah, for the deen, uh, that he keeps us steadfast, especially in, in the trying times that we're living in, subhanAllah. Um, yeah. Uh, JazakAllah khair for your time. It was a pleasure having you on. And um, I hope, inshallah, that you can join us on a future episode, bi'idhnillah.
1: BarakAllah fi ki I, I, you know, ask Allah ta'ala to bless you and your work. Um, I'm sure that you're inspiring a lot of, you know, Muslimat out there um and you know inshallah i ask a lot that we get to meet in al-medina very soon again inshallah
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah i hope so that uh-huh. was uh they, they haven't yet opened it up i think for uh sydney have they oh no it's sydney no, that our, is our on country like, right. yeah we can't yeah. go anywhere <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah will uh, make it easy uh it's just it's one thing after another but like you know we we have to always remind ourselves that these we're just here temporary inshallah and we're going to go to the Akhira and باذن enjoy all the na'im of Jannah, inshallah باذن الله تعالى يلا take care uh, and uh, I'll see you next time Asalaamu alaykum wa
1: alaykum assalam subhanak allahumma
0: wa if you enjoyed the podcast don't forget to head over to our instagram page at real muslima talk and join the conversation